Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Charlie, I'm curious, have you ever rocked up to the wrong house and gone, oh, wait, this is not the right place? Or walked into a different room going, this is not the room I wanted to be in. Do you know what? I kid you not. I moved house when I was about maybe 20 and I was driving home from work after a big day and literally went to my old house and went to the front door and then realized I don't live here anymore. Dude, it was actually funny. When I was in uni, I did the exact same thing. So we were, you would walk up the flight of stairs and we came home from one night and I walked up one level too high, door was unlocked, walked into someone else's living room and they're like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm so sorry, I live below you. <laughs> would you know what would have solved this? What? If they're on the email list. Damn straight. So my philosophy is that maybe people have signed up to the wrong newsletter, right? And so I'm just going to write all the wrongs and just let everybody know. You can head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and just make sure you're in the right house, right apartment. You don't want to be doing that, guy. Now, let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant. I feel like we should give some context to that intro, right? You know, going to the wrong little place bit. might have been a bit, little bit ambiguous for our audience base. And the really, the thing I really look at there, and what happened when I went to that wrong place and you into the wrong apartment, is our thinking was wrong. Right? We changed something. The thinking went wrong, and then because of that, things didn't go as we expected. Oh, you could almost say I was on autopilot. Even more dangerous. <sighs> Tell me about it. You can autopilot your life away. You'll be very, very aware of that. And I kid you not, though, do you know what was most annoying about going to the wrong house? The petrol you spent going to the wrong place? It was an hour away. Oh, man, there's so much that could be wrong. <laughs> I got the, I got home in like peak hour. So I wasn't actually that far away. I had to go back to the new house. But getting through peak hour to the place took ages. And like I was furious when I got home that day. Furious. Did you just let everybody else around you know that you were furious? It was like every, it was everyone else's problem, not yours. <sighs> I'm not, not going to say that, but yes. <laughs> uh, bringing the best. All right, should we tell a story? Should we t- say what we're getting up to today and uh, share some news? Let's do it. Okay, so today's episode, I really want to cover um, how people having the wrong thinking and really the wrong psychology ultimately leads them to fail in property investing. Or there's a little subset where it just gets them stuck, right? For a lot of people, it's complete failure. But for others, it's that they never attain the thing that they actually set out to do. So when I got into property, the thing I wanted to do was actually be financially independent. I didn't want to- Of course. Yeah. And I know for you, the way you're going about it and the progress you're making is the same thing. That's what you're hunting to aspire to. So it's very clear outcomes. But if you look at the numbers, like- not a lot of people achieve it. And I think one of the core reasons for that, if not the main reason for that, is not a lack of money. It's not a lack of opportunities. It's not, I can't find the right mortgage broker, all of which are important, but it's actually how they're rocking up. It's their psychology and thinking that's going into property to why they have the results they have. Which is a very difficult frame to come from because as human beings, it's never our fault, Charlie. I never want to look at a situation that I'm in and, and reflect on myself and be like, oh, I was the one that caused this. 
As one of our mentors says, Grant, you always have 100% choice and 100% responsibility. And it's particularly annoying when he says that to me because I know in that moment I have probably not done one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. All right, so I, I just open this one up with the story. We're actually fresh back from the Gold Coast. We've been at an event. Um, noting we don't look any particular tanned. I don't think we spent much time outside. No. But the weather was definitely nicer than Melbourne. I'll give it that. <clears throat> now, you joined me. You actually came out. I was speaking at an event. I was one of the keynote speakers. And though you did join me on the panel, which was awesome at the end. So for anyone that was at that event, you'll know it as you hear this recording. If you were there, big, big thank you. Um, it was a whole bunch of fun. But I got to talk about a few things. All right, here we go. Talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, time. so when, when I was asked to speak at this event, I put a lot of thought into the topic I wanted to cover and I really sat down and said, what would be the thing that would make the difference in someone being a successful property investor? I know a lot of people are interested in property. I know a lot of people want to build wealth. How can I have enough of an impact to move the needle where these people are going to go to that next step? Now, I did a presentation on money psychology uh, particularly. And when I say psychology, I just want to say it's your thinking. That's what psychology is, your thinking. So it's how to think better and get your thinking right for property investing. And I think I lost half the room. <laughs> I was, yes, you did. <laughs> to, the, to the point that, um, yeah, they, they were almost justifying actions as if they were appropriate instead of using the time to reflect inwards and just go, how am I showing up in these areas? So I will lay it down out there for half the people in the room and probably the whole room, what they would have loved is if I got up there and presented some sort of hack, strategy, loophole, hotspot, some bank lending thing they don't know about where they can essentially um, shortcut their way to wealth, yep. silver bullet it. You know, there's a mining town you should get involved in, Grant. Have you ever heard about this next town that's going to boom? It's the government's going to do some big projects here. Completely. They're, they're looking for the shortcut. They're looking for the hack. They're looking for the hotspot. Their, their thinking is all around this tactical approach, not recognising any of the other side to this. Now, for the other half of people in the room, I had numerous people pull me aside and say, hey, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I can see that my thinking is actually preventing me from being successful um, which I really appreciate those people. But nonetheless, I wanted to make sure we address this on the pod because for the audience we have here and the people we speak about, this is likely one of the big pillars that is holding you back and can make a huge, huge difference in your own journey down. And I think one of, the, one of the challenges that I have for this is, and I'm not, to the, to the other 50% of the people in the room, like I can completely understand and concur why they would like, glaze over or not understand or not try to relate to it and things like that. And this is why they call it the glass ceiling, right? You just cannot see that this is the ceiling that is stopping you getting to the next level. You think that someone else knows a little piece of information that you don't understand. And, I, and I've been there um, in property investing is also business. And usually when I cannot get the results I'm looking for, I'm now innately looking to myself as being the barrier and the reason for not actually getting there. And I think it takes that level of maturity where you've gone through the peaks and troughs. You've seen yourself become stagnant. And I know we'll talk about some exercises and stuff in a second to actually go, wait a minute, maybe this is me getting in my own way as opposed to uh, someone else or something else not telling me what I think I need to know. Can I use some analogies? Oh, I love analogies. Let's do it. 
All right. There is a whole industry out there in weight loss dedicated to selling you the latest piece of equipment. There is. There's the Bowflex. There's the George Foreman grill. And and actually, quick side note, I really like a George Foreman grill. They're actually a really good little device. Good boxer too. Yeah, but when you come out to it, if your whole weight loss approach is devoted to finding the latest tactic, but you never ever work on, well, do you know what? How am I going to approach health and maybe, I don't know, sleep better, walk more, all the other aspects of health that come into losing that weight and keeping it off. If you're just grabbing the latest tactic, what happens? Fall by the wayside. Exactly. So if you looked at uh, two groups of people, one group is they really take their health seriously and strategically go about it, work on changing their whole lifestyle and thinking and how they go about health versus another group is just grabbing the latest infomercial product. Which one do you think would be successful? Uh Definitely not the ones grabbing the latest infomercial products. <laughs> yeah. So if you've got a group of property investors who are running it like a business, doing the work that is required when it comes to not only understanding property development, but understanding themselves so that they can be excellent in this field. And then you've got a whole bunch of people that are chasing the next hotspot or hack. Which one do you think is going to be successful? The ones that are fundamentally trying to understand it. And that is the difference. Yep. I'll give you another example here. I want you to imagine this for a second, and I've recently been looking at this, is um, right now our psychology, yes, you and I, Grant, is set up that we know how to operate at the level we are at currently really well. Mm-hmm. I'd say we're doing pretty well. Not too but bad. I'll tell you right now, if tomorrow I was the CEO of Microsoft, and I'm not picky on Microsoft, I'm just very impressed with what they're doing in the AI space, and I was having a little dig around this morning, going, wow, so they're on my mind. There's no, I'm not pro or against them. But if someone made me CEO of Microsoft tomorrow, I have completely recognized I wouldn't know how to think about running that company or what a CEO at that level actually does. Yep. I would very likely destroy that company like quickly. And whoever put you in that position would get fired. I can see a lot of lives getting ruined. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. For the property investor who's starting out today, if I gave them my portfolio, handed it to them, right? Do you reckon they'd be able to hold on to it? No. no exactly. It's, it's similar to like the generational wealth. It was funny that all of my friends who got given cars when they turned to 18 trashed them. And people like myself and a couple of other friends who saved up, scrimped and scrounged to go and buy our own car. Man, we were cleaning them twice a week, vacuuming the inside. Like you end up like looking after it. And it's it's very interesting as to when people have worked to achieve the outcome and gone through the pain of understanding the ins and outs as opposed to it just being gifted to them or them having some kind of potluck as the outcome occurs. Wholeheartedly. And you see this again to drum at home even further, lottery winners. Oh, have you please tell me you've watched some of those videos of like what they've spent the money on i totally have oh man the destruction derby guy where he's like bought all these like luxury cars and he just crashes them into each other <laughs> he's like the best <laughs> i saw one guy who won the lottery and he literally uh turned his basement into a reincarnation of his favorite nightclub and pub oh, when he was 18 i was like no way so he's Rebuilt the whole thing so he can go into his basement to see that. Like a night at the Roxbury. That's fantastic. <laughs> I wonder why. what happened to that guy. Any hints? <laughs> Don't think he's a property investor. <laughs> <sighs> 
We'll come back to lottery winners. I actually think they should lock up half their wealth and put it in something to protect themselves from themselves. But anyway, I won't go here nor there. That's even a, a horrible comment because of the lack of faith I have in people to develop their own psychology. But this could be your difference. And I would turn into this and say that part of working on your psychology is building the identity of a property investor so that you can be successful in here. Like if I didn't make this transition from – I was a business owner at, and that's how I identified myself. I didn't see these things in property. I hadn't built my psychology or thinking in that property space. If I hadn't gone on the journey of changing that, there's no chance I would have achieved the things I have today. No chance. I think it's very misleading for people as well not to see it as a journey. Like you're supposed to evolve. You're supposed to change to achieve the thing. Like you're not going to stay the same as this journey goes about, but you can actually encourage it which I think is something that's not really talked about. Is that? And it's, it's, it's interesting. I suspect, and I'll share this, I suspect that as a society we're actually getting worse at this. And the greatest examples that I see is like sporting games. How many more sporting games that are shorter, more aggressive, dunk contests? What is it? They've got the big bash cricket now. Like It's almost like our attention spans are so small that it has to be like big bash. <laughs> results and it's almost showing up everywhere else like we want the results yesterday i want to buy a property and i want it to double real quick and if it doesn't i'm disappointed like it's not the expectations i wanted i'd go even further than that would you say society and the conditioning that comes from school universities apprenticeships uh corporations uh, not that i have anything against these things but do you think it sets you up to be a successful property investor? It definitely does not. It gets you into part of the system where a lot of the property investors are trying to get out of the system, which means that everything that most people consume, and I'm generalizing on this, will be that repeated cycle of like, hey, be scared of property. Oh, the mortgages are going up, government, global issues, and it's almost like all triggered based on you trying to stay where you're at. I'm going to dig into myself a little bit and then I'm going to unpack you. We're going to do it. I always love just unpacking myself on a podcast. It's <laughs> the best way to do it. <laughs> yep, let's do it. All right, so let's make this property specific now. So I have mentioned this a little bit, but I'm going to go into this a bit further. In my 20s, one of the things that was very apparent for me was that I was quite scared of money. I was terrified of money. Right? And of a, as a byproduct of things that have happened in my youth from my parents that had caused me to be very debt adverse and really want like scarce with money, very, very scarce. So every time I earned money, I would just quickly scrounge it away looking for safety. Now, what actually occurred out of that is in my 20s, yes, I did buy a house to live in, but all I was consumed of was paying down the debt. Yep. So my psychology was pay down the debt. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever looked at a chart aligning my 20s with the property market, but if I could go back in time and instead of having the mindset and thinking and psychology of I've got to buy, I've got to absolutely pay down to the debt to, do you know what? I've got to buy a property every couple of years. Where would I be today? Slightly different position than you actually are. Completely. So a poor set of psychology and thinking led me to the point where I was terrified of money in general, but even more terrified of debt. So every time I earned money, rather than thinking about growth how to expand, how to invest, I was thinking about how to be safe in owning my own home. And I share that because I don't want people to listen to this show and think, well, Charlie, you're, you know, you've already done the thing, right? 
I was that person who had to make that change. And I think everyone else out there is likely have to make some changes to their own psychology when it comes to themselves thinking in this way. Now, Grant, you've got a, a really interesting one, and I find uh, you fascinating here because you are someone that's been quite successful in the software world, right? And at a point in time, I know because I spoke to you about this, the way your psychology was set up is the way you were going to be successful was SaaS business. Yep. So property wasn't even on your horizon, and yet here you are many years later running a property podcast with your good pal, Charlie. <laughs> what occurred for you there? Yeah, so like to even back up further, um, so obviously business and then software, uh, and I'm going to piece this up into two layers. Uh, the first one was like my money psychology. I was very fortunate that my old man had the same job for 40 years. Uh, it it changed from like, was it telecom to Telstra to IBM, but it essentially was the exact same job for the same people. And so like for myself, that's what I saw. I saw like this security layer. And so everything that I did throughout the business world was trying to create the security. Like it was always backup plans and certainty <laughs> as opposed to... Do you think most people are set up with a scarce money mindset and seeking security in the way they operate now? Hands down, yeah. And, and you can I would see agree. it. How many people come to us and talk about like, what's the cheapest place that we can invest in just in case it doesn't work? It's like this. It's almost like uh, the. This is the stuff. This is what kills me, right? Oh, what's the cheapest place I can invest in? Just in case. What about what's the right asset for the environment of today? Where is the best opportunity for the lowest risk in today's environment? Yeah, and then they outsource their decision making to other people on the internet. (laughs) It's so. What's the best buyers agent? Like, I don't want to do the research. I want everyone else to do it. (laughs) Like, just you, you guys figure it out. Um, and so that was like, and it was really interesting, like that showing up in sort of what I was doing in business, uh, but it also showed up in a lot of things that I was doing with investing in uh, shares and crypto and stuff like that before I got into property. But then when I got into uh, property investing, it actually, I was triggered into it at a certain time in my life where I was constantly investing in different businesses to create more certainty because I thought that more eggs in uh, more baskets, Charlie, where if some baskets fell and eggs cracked, I was going to be okay. Can we pause right there for a second? I just want to unpack that a little bit. Let's do it. All right. So your psychology at this point is like business is the way I'm going to be successful. Yep. And the way I'm going to have risk diversification in my life is investing in more businesses. More businesses. So I'm not just going to be in one. I'm going to be in uh, knowing you five. I think it was like, yeah, five or six. There we go. I like it. It's very Grant Merrill. <laughs> and so, so, but can you uh, see in the wiring point of view, right? That's what your thinking led you to. Completely. And so I did, you know, I hated the idea of debt. Like I had no credit cards, no debt, nothing. Every time my business would generate some kind of profit, I would go throw it at another business. And like I would just throw it at different startups and everything like that. Um, and it got to a point where I actually, uh, I still remember like the apartment we were living in. I asked my now wife, hey, like I want to invest in another business. And she's like, sure. But the question is like, at what point are you going to invest in us? Like at what point does the family become important? I wish I had a knife sound effect. I could play it right now. Like, oh, stab, 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 twist. Yeah. <laughs> Every time she listens to me talking about this, it's like, yeah, I did say that. Like, yeah. Shout out to Hazel. Respect so, points if you hear the podcast. Don't, don't add fuel to that fire. Um, and it was actually the one thing that triggered me into something else of going, okay, I've done quite a bit of work on myself, but there's still more sitting under here that I need to work through as to why I'm just spreading myself so thin. Why am I working so many hours? Why am I trying to invest in so many different businesses that aren't turning into the result that I need 
to ultimately support my family into the future. Um, and that's where you and I got into some very deep conversations and I assessed a whole heap of things to change who I was and my psychology around money and how I was playing the game, um, which ultimately led me into the property investing sort of process inside of things and selling out from quite a lot of businesses. It's fascinating, the epiphany that has to occur. And I know both of us have had it, which is why I will speak for you in this uh, comment here. Appreciate Eventually, and maybe it is through you need to tactic chase, you need to look for the hot spots, or you need to get involved in something that doesn't go well. But there seems to be for everyone I've spoken to that's done really well, there's the eventual epiphany that, hang on a second, I'm the problem. Yep. It's not the location. It's not the business. It's not the thing that sits there uh, that we want to say that is exterior to us. It's actually internally. It's the thinking we brought to it. Like it was you who made that decision to invest in that business. It was yeah. me who made that decision to pay down that debt. wasn't the um, house that was good or bad or the business that was good or bad. It was the thinking that happened before that that led to that outcome. And it was it's actually interesting. Like Upon reflecting through my journey, but even speaking to quite a few other people, the reason they want the latest hotspot and the reason they want returns so quick is to actually get them out of the scenario they've put themselves in, e- e.g. a business they don't like or a job that they don't enjoy. And that's not fun to deal with. I, I will say no, I have, like you and I have been in that situation as well, right? I, I, I don't want to just be a, a self-righteous sitting on a pedestal screaming it out. Like you and I have both experienced numerous tough times and challenges in our journey. You want to test a psychology, try buying uh, a development site when COVID is breaking out and think the world's going to end. <laughs> want to test your ability to stay calm? <laughs> is this the right decision? Is this the right decision? But I think... The, I think that is one of the reasons as to why it causes such a, a big pain point because the pain of staying where you are now is so hurts so much more and anything to get out of that is a good thing, which is why everyone jumps to tactics or, or some kind of quick quick result or a seemingly quick result. Well, let, let's just look at that for a second. Let's say you've got a business or a career you don't like. Yep. What's the fastest way out of this is the uh, – with like looking at that, what's the fastest way out of this? What a horrible setup for long-term success in property. But if that's the position that you're asking yourself questions of like, how am I going to invest in property? Like it, it explains a whole heap of questions as to like, what's, where's going to be the best spot and what's going to be the cheapest for the highest return? I think a different question for anyone out there that's trying to escape. I think instead of going, what's the best, what's the fastest way out of this, uh, which it potentially is taking on huge risks in property, I think that might be someone who needs to address what they do for a career, right? It's a, a different thing altogether, but their thinking may lead them into a different path. Hence, money psychology. You also see this with a lot of like retirees, like so people that are later on in the journey. So let's say someone's uh, in their late fifties, as an example. Um, if someone's in their late 50s and they want to retire in their 65 and there's a very limited window of time left, you can see the psychology they've set themselves up for is I've got to go fast. Yep. I need really, you know, the average return won't work for me. I've got, to, I've got to find bigger returns. And if you're going about property investing in that way, I'm, I'm nervous even leaning towards the outcomes that happen there. But you can see why there's so many scams out there that are successful, like Praying obvious scams where people are desperate and their psychology is thinking uh, that in way and they just get bang. Totally, because Take it meets someone's perceived need. I need these returns. And anyone who says that they potentially could meet those returns are the ones that are going to pull it in. 
and anyone else going for something, some kind of consistency that's not abrupt results with a high risk. It uh, just don't seem to be good enough. I feel for both of us, and I'll, I'll ask you this, but speak for myself first this time. I won't bring you into this one. Oh, you can. I, I think I had my thinking hit me enough in my career and business that I realized I was the problem before I got into property investing. So one of the big advantages I would like to think I brought to property investing later on is I had gone through a lot of the hits in my career and business. Yep. So I'd worked on myself to a degree and recognized that if I'm going to be a successful property investor, I need to learn to think and act like a successful property investor. The psychology has got to be set up right to behave like the people that are already in it. For a lot of people, they haven't gone through that journey though. They haven't had those experiences prior, which I think is what lets them down is that they haven't worked on themselves or developed that thinking or rationale that comes through it. So property is where they take the hits. Mm. I, I concur with that. Is this... I know that we were speaking about people wanting like really quick returns and it could be because they're trying to get away from something or like that's just the way that we operate. Very few people talk about this idea. Is this the same as like in basketball where you've got like the the dunk contest and like the the offense is always more attractive than the defense? <laughs> but of in course. order for you to win, it, you actually need a good defense. Like you just can't have a whole heap of like scorers. You actually need defenders. It's a really interesting uh, thing in itself, right? So ultimately, buying property and accumulating property is the fun part. It's addictive. I, totally. And you get to tell all your friends about it. You get to like look back at your spreadsheets and be like, oh, my gosh, the bank accounts are, are growing. Just got it, number 10. Just got number gives, 10. It gives you all the good feedback. Right? Yeah, so like, do you ring your friends and say, do you know what? I just had to replace a door. Do you know what? That tenant, that property is still vacant. Oh, crap, you know, that insurance that went up. You know, rates are going up right now. Do, do people get out there and brag about those things? Nope. Exactly. And that's part of the challenge and psychology that sits within property investing as well, right? If you're status-driven, well, you're going to make potentially terrible decisions so you can say you've bought the next property. Yeah. And no one wants to say that they sold for a loss. <sighs> it happens. Mm-hmm. Comes with a part of parcel. One of the things I'm really big on, Grant, I'd love to get your take in this as well, is uh, throughout my life, I've gone on a path of modeling. And I'll give you some examples here. When I did a plumbing apprenticeship, the way you work is you're an apprentice out of someone. There is a teacher, you learn directly from that teacher, you extract their methods, and eventually you become like them. If there's ever an example of developing the psychology of anything, it's an apprenticeship. I think it is. Now, when I got into business, I'd always seek out and gotten mentors. And the whole reason for that is that if you go to a mentor and they'd already achieved the thing you're looking to do, is that they have the ability to guide you and help you see situations in a way that prevent you from making really, really silly mistakes. My observation when I first got into property, though, not a lot of people do that. It's, 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 actually, not, it's a rarity. Yeah, it's not common to have mentors or people in that where when I got into it, one of the first things I did was seek out investors who'd been successful and just compared how they'd won. Yep. Like I'd found uh, people that had been really successful in blue chip. I'd found people that had been really successful in doing developments or buying cash flow properties or doing rooming houses. And I really took the time to look and compare and see how they were thinking about things. And I realized very quickly there's a lot of camps, there's a lot of tribalism, there's a lot of people like blue chip people shit on cash flow people and cash flow people shit on blue chip people or cities and regions. Regions and, and apartments, apartments and, and yeah. 
And you know we what? Know I've it. found people that have absolutely crushed it in every one of them. And I've also people found people that have failed in them as well. And it would be very easy if someone didn't take the time to look at these people that have been successful and the psychology that's gone into them being successful. If they didn't look to emulate that and take some of that on board, they might actually get really stuck. Mm. It's funny because as you share your experience, I'm like, well, it's a little bit of a cheat code go and do an apprenticeship. Because like I, <clears throat> I went and did university. And the the way that university kind of presents itself is like you read a book, you kind of memorize the book. The problems are already uh, already laid out, but they're mildly hypothetical. Like very few people in that room are going through those situations in like their own business. And that's what I studied. I studied a master of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, if I can speak. Um, but it's hypothetical, right? Where when you're doing a plumbing apprenticeship, it's like we are going to install this toilet together. <laughs> Right, like this is the situation you will repetitively <laughs> just see. Just so you know, um, with toilets specifically, the first thing you're allowed to do is just carry them in. That's it. <laughs> right, you're not you're not allowed to touch anything. Uh, I will say, people will be surprised the complexities of a toilet and how fragile they are. Like you don't want to necessarily break valves or anything in them. But continue on. <laughs> yeah, but and so I, I look at that, and it was a skill set that I had to learn after university because I I looked at people who had a general knowledge of a general topic. That wasn't specific to, in your example, like a rooming house or a commercial or a resi or a regional or a city or anything like that. I had to go and understand that that was even a thing, right? I just looked at if you knew marketing and business, you just knew marketing or marketing. Like that was just your specialization, right? I I will say we do have to look at this. I have friends who in certain environments, let's say they've uh, gone to university, they've had some teachers that have been mentors to them. There are, don't, don't get me wrong. And I am using these as an example to uh, agitate a, a problem. Uh, that there are individuals who have found that out, right? But that's that's luck throughout it. Like it's not embedded. Totally, in it wasn't sought after. Totally it's accidental. It's, yeah, but it's not like people are walking away going, "That was the thing," right? And so for us, it's mostly well, what information can we take from the perceived like the gurus and the people who know what to do and things like that? And I would just go and implement that, thinking it's applicable to my situation. And I think that that's. I think understanding that that is a very challenging lens for anybody, like a property investor, to look at it through, I think they just need to ask themselves the deeper questions around how does that apply to my situation? How does it apply to my money psychology, right, and what I'm actually trying to achieve from it? Do you think property investors in general would be far more successful? And I don't mind what stage they're at. Right, it's to be someone that's getting started now, maybe they have a, property, a few properties already, maybe they have 10, maybe they have 20. But if they sort out other people in the industry who have been successful and spent the time to ask the question, what thinking went into the decision they're making? And maybe even studied under them in that mentee-mentor relationship. Is that the difference in success in being a property investor? Is that the thing that can take them to the next level? I totally do. But I also think like doing it across different areas. So you were talking about like rooming houses, units and and duplexes and all those kind of things like don't just do it on one because you might just end up with a bias like trying to i try and actually understand it <laughs> hold, on, hold on hold on hold on are you still doing it now in this totally <laughs> we were just talking about it me yesterday. too i'm just i'm like i was like oh maybe he's still doing it as well and that, but this is this is the thing it's like i'm never i'll never stop learning because uh and i'll never stop asking people to potentially mentor me or to understand how they're going about their investment thesis, especially the people who've done the thing. 
I don't want just people talking about it. I need people who are on the journey, done the journey. And I'm like, why did you not do this other thing? Why are you going down this road? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Just because I know that I have a glass ceiling in different areas that I just can't see. And they are the ones that are going to allow me to step through it. I had to tell a story, Grant. All right. I'll get ready. All right. One of the things I'm very curious about at the moment is property development. And the reason for that, I'm going to bring it up now, is that I look to the shortfall of houses in Australia currently, which is estimated at like 400,000. I can't prove it, but let's just pretend. Um, On the other side of things, I look to how many people are coming into the country. So even if there is enough houses, right, if there's a couple hundred thousand people coming into the country every year, well, then there's not enough houses. So if there's some sort of shortfall and there's people coming in, then it looks to me that we need more houses. To go further, I see the news about developers and builders going under and people not, uh, what, what is it called? Building approvals? Like way down. All right, so there's no uh, supply coming onto the market anytime soon that I look at it. So I look at this equation and I go, man, talk about a setup for property developing. That's just opinion. That is speculation. It could be a terrible idea. We'll frame that here. Many of my ideas are terrible. Please don't jump on my ideas from here. I can confirm they are. Yeah, but it's a thesis. So uh, on the back of that thought, one of the things I've been doing now is seeking out people who are successful property developers. I've been going around to our network, people we know, other people that run podcasts or have uh, groups on Facebook, and just really looking to understand how they're behaving right now. Yep. So if I went into all the property developer groups, they're like, you know, the end is here. This is the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I would be very curious of that. Or if there's people out there right now, which I will say I have seen, they're saying now is the best time to secure sites. Yep. You've got a, a fundamental opportunity to do some land banking plays right now, which is when you buy a block of land and then you will build on it at a later date. You know, you're not going to develop it right now, which I think is interesting as well. But as I've gone around to these different people, there's all this information I've I've been able to collect and assess the psychology of how they're thinking about it to decide if this is something I want to do or not. How do I want to believe and adjust my own psychology to go about it? Because if you believe, and beliefs are your psychology, that it's a terrible time to do property development, we probably won't do it. Totally. And I think uh, it's funny. I look at back at my experience. When I first started doing these types of things, talking to mentors and going about things, I used to think that it was like locked in stone. It was almost like me trying to have like a girlfriend. And then just go, no, I have to stick with this now. I'm two years in. I can't change tax. This is all I know. This is what I know. And I don't want to change. And the resistance to change in people is fascinating. Completely. To the to the point of like, it's completely unreasonable. Like uh, upon when people reflect back at like relationships, like why was I there for so long? <laughs> and this, this opportunity is so much better. And I think that one thing that you and I have is the fluidity to understand, but then not just get bought into it and continue forever. It's always the the idea that going, great, like I could spend six months on learning about, to your point, developments, uh, understanding the inner workings, everything. And on, on the outset, it's like, this looks like it's going to be fantastic. But then if I head up against a couple of things that don't make sense or don't align to my investment thesis or isn't what I want to do, no worries, I'll just change. Like there is nothing hard and fast. Because it's not the education information is not lost. The time is not lost because you learned a lot along the way. And it's better to have spent that time to learn it than to lose a whole heap of money on the other side of it, especially with property. Dude, I'm down. I'm so uh, 
inclined to agree with that. It's not funny. I'm very biased on it as well. But do you not also find that many people uh, need to be right versus need to be rich? A very, you know, again, another mentor of my. A lot of my mentors have had sayings. Now that I think of it, and you know what, they stuck. But so for the people out there that are mentors and teaching people, your little sayings do go on. And he's like, Charlie, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Yep. And I'm like, rich. And he's like, well, then stop confusing being wrong for your wrong. And yes, oh, did you see this in Facebook groups all the time, especially in the property area? Like, it's always like, it's like, who's the smartest person on a particular thing? It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, check your bank account at the end of the night. Yeah, it's like, it's just like, yeah, I want that troll post. Check yeah. this out. Thank you. <laughs> but I think that it, I, I think it's what we grasp onto, right? It's and going back to the analogy of the relationship. Like everyone around us could be telling us that it's a bad relationship, that it's toxic, and that we shouldn't be together. But in my mind, I will convince myself and try to convince them that it's still a good idea, even when everything says that it's not. And I think that that's where a lot of people get caught up just because they start believing themselves because they just don't understand that, hey, I have the choice to go and look elsewhere. I have the choice to go and research a little bit more and maybe this is, maybe this was right at that point in time. Maybe it's not right from now. Yeah, I concur. Let, let, I think we've delved into this topic in a, a reasonable amount, but I don't want to leave people with the idea that, hey, maybe my psychology isn't what it needs to be and they're not offer any solution here. Should we share some solutions? All right, I'll let you go first. All right, I think one of the best things you can do if you want to be a successful property investor is find someone who's done the thing that is in line with your goals and um, seek them out as a mentor. Seek them out as someone to learn from where you can get your psychology right, where you come to making property decisions and it's just not on you. Um, If you're going to have it all on you and you're not experienced here, it's just like me trying to run Microsoft. Without the adjusted thinking, uh, that's right for your situation. It's really dangerous. You can make or some me trying, or me trying to replace toilets. <laughs> I got <Huge>. no idea. <laughs> it's like no idea that we do that. <laughs> I'll teach you one day. All right, All right you give one. Uh, I, I think the other side is that uh, it's so easy for us to sort of tactic chase because it's glorified. It's uh, I always think of it like the dunk contest at NBA. We all look at the highlights. We all want to jump into it, but. The, the value and the way that you actually win a basketball game is understanding a little bit of defense and little looking inwards at yourself. And so it's not always the offense that wins. It's actually you looking back into yourself and saying, okay, well, how am I showing up in this? How am I actually being a part of the decisions that I'm making, not just outsourcing my decisions to other people, whether it's podcasts, Facebook groups, or otherwise. And I think that that's a key one just because I, I think it's so e- easy for everyone to do. Yeah, but let's give them the how. That's the what. How does someone do that? Uh, yeah, so the way that they do that is I uh, I would jump into – that's a great question. You totally threw me off. <laughs> uh, well, I'll give the what on this one then. I'll jump in because I do believe that you've got to do some of the inner work. If you have beliefs like I did around debt, and I'm just yeah. using that as the example, you're never going to be successful in property because it is a game of debt. It very difficult to be successful in that game without it. I think a part of that inner work is probably exploring some of the programs that are out there in books. And I'll what reference three. You, what program would you suggest? I've done three that were really helpful, warning they're not for the faint-hearted. Some of them are quite intense when you go and try and adjust some of your beliefs and things. Number one, uh, Mastermind and Money by uh, MJB Seminars. I did that program. It is excellent. I loved it. 
Number two was uh, a Demartini program. It's actually an audio book, which uh, I might be able to quickly bring up now and check the title of, but Demartini is just fantastic. He's totally. got some really interesting things to say when it comes to it. And yes, I'm going to look this up in Lifetime. Did you, did you not, gravitate towards Dean Martini more than like a Tony Robbins? I did. I, I'm not a Tony Robbins guy and I'm not against Tony. It just like it never hit me like, you know, when like two people listen to the same song, some people can love a song and other people don't. Totally. Um, and everyone who doesn't like the songs that I like are wrong. Yeah, that, that's what it is. So I'm just <laughs> going through right here. Yeah, so Dr. John Martini's Ultimate Wealth Mastery Library that whole uh, book, which it's, what is it, about 30 bucks or something I'm looking at right now, goes for 16 hours. It's an audio you could listen to in your car when you're not listening to this podcast. Of course, don't let it interfere with this podcast time. But I actually felt that was a fantastic book on not just the, uh, he's got some cool wealth strategies in there, don't get me wrong, but some excellent things about psychology and dealing with how you actually think about wealth and money in a really, really powerful way. And then number three is a book by a guy called Jamin Frazier uh, called Unhindered, which I think is great, which is about yeah removing burden internally, the name kind of suggests. I, uh, one of the other ones that helped me along the way as well. So Tony Robbins was one for myself. Uh, Unwa- uh, Awaken the Giant, uh, I think it's just a, such a good book where I think it allows us or allows individuals to reflect inwardly. inwardly. Uh, and the other one was Joe Dispenza. Um, it's a little... What do I, how do I call this out? It's like a little bit more woo. Like it's a little bit more. Well, I'm just going to say, I'm going to go out there. A lot of this stuff is woo. A lot of this thing you may consider is like, oh, I don't need to do personal development. What are you talking about from there? I'll tell you now, when I have met the most successful property investors, it's funny where you meet them at Tony Robbins events, Martini events, many people that have been astronomically successful in property, they've got a bit of woo in them. Now, if you don't like woo, maybe that's one of the things you might want to address. Maybe yeah. that's something that's potentially holding you back. Actually looking inwardly as opposed to outwardly. Uh, what about you? What would be your third one? Yeah, I, I always go back to this one. I've probably told this story like 10 times on the podcast already. But I, I look at some of the phenomenal networking groups that are out there in the property space. It's actually not that hard to get around other people who are in property. Mm. Now, I'll give you an example. If the people you hang out with are your family and your family aren't doing property investing and every time you go to invest in a property, they're like, oh, be careful. What, what a way to like invest in property, right? And I must admit, this is some of the people in my own life where every time I bought property, like sure, you know, particularly, and you think it would get easier after you uh, get deeper in the game, but it still happens with me now. Have you seen right? the news about property prices dropping, Charlie? How's interest rates affecting you? Are you sure you can handle this? Are the tenants leaving it? Totally. I'm pretty sure the tenants have got to screw themselves to the floor. They, they don't want to go out and find <laughs> another rental in this environment. Um, but the point being is like, imagine that. You're trying to go out there and make it in property and your circle of influence are people saying, are you sure you should be doing this? Doesn't look mm. safe right now. you got zero chance. You go into a room where there's other property investors and you get to experience how they're winning. They're talking about how they're having their success, how they're playing it. It instills a different confidence and thinking in you where you will think and see these things differently. So I think it is essential to not only have uh, potentially a mentor in property, but also have a good circle of people that are doing it as well so that you can stay in shape uh, uh, with your own psychology and thinking that goes into this. The fourth one I'll jump into, I think that not enough people do is like a, an actual check-in on themselves. So what is it? The greatest feedback that you get is the results that you already have. So most people, especially if they listen to this podcast enough, will have a goal that they're trying to get to. 
right? Like I want to be at X amount cash flow or net wealth or something like that in X amount of years, right? Pretty simple. Everyone talks about it. No worries at all. But I don't think enough people assess where they're at right now and compare it to like a couple of months prior, whether it be like what information have I consumed? Like where is the actual status of the portfolio comparative to where I thought it would have been now based on where I'm trying to get to? And actually doing that check to see is there something that is stopping me getting the results, right? So an example could be if if you're investing in a particular type of property asset and over the last year you've realized that it actually hasn't produced you the results or gotten you closer to where you're looking for or you don't agree with it anymore or you it just doesn't fit within your being, great. Use that time and it could be every month, it could be every quarter to reassess and say, maybe I need to learn something else, which triggers into your point, Charlie, around the programs. Maybe I'm around different people. Maybe I need to reassess what I'm trying to do and just take stock consistently just to reevaluate where you're at. Because I think too many people look at the future and just go, oh, I'm getting closer to it, but don't actually look at the now. Or check they're in the right direction, hey? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'll share a little bit of my um, how on this one as well. I actually don't do it monthly or even quarterly. And the reason is, this is just my opinion, you might, is property is such a slow, long game that not enough changes where I can actually discern. <laughs> Wait, but you don't I, do the property valuations every single month and just go... Completely. So, like, I might buy a property and it does nothing for 12 months. And then, which has literally happened, we've been discussing this of like, I thought I bought a stinker and all of a sudden it's a hottie. Um, But anyway, the point I would make here is that it's very hard in property to see if you're off course, let's say on the goal of being financially independent, if you're just trying to track it month on month in property. Because rents haven't changed or they might change annually or property values you might get done semi-annually or annually. I look at it and go, financial year is the one for me. So every financial year, a year has passed I want to be able to look at the last financial year and the current one and like, did I make progress? Am I actually set up for success here? And I will note that depending on your strategy, like it may not look how you expect it. So you might have bought a property that you expect to do really well 10 years from now, but it's done nothing in the last 12 months or even two years and you need to be set up to handle that because if your psychology is out of play, you might have bought a property and go, well, why aren't I rich yet? So you might have sold off your best investment. Could actually get you then. Yeah, the one thing I'll say to that is that I know for myself previously, I would get caught in the minutiae of information where I would allow other people to push their information on me and that would form what I'm doing. And so I would actually take that time to reevaluate where I'm actually trying to run to. So whether it's uh, like, for example, every quarter I'll take stock of the information I'm reading. And I would make it very deliberate about it. So I know that you're diving into developments and making it very deliberate that the next month, three months or otherwise, you're going to go and learn everything there is and understand this is right for me. Did this just not look like a property developer jacket? I'm literally going to buy a set of work boots. I'm going to consume the identity of your developer and see what happens here. The day that I see the unit out the front, I know there's no turning back. There will be a hard Um, hat on the next call. Yeah, but but that I think that that is the layer of like reassessing. Like, am I the one that's driving the car versus am I the passenger in someone else's car? Did you find this? And I know we're probably running long by this point, and we may wrap this one up from here. But I have found it's very easy to go in the wrong direction. I've been consumed by little things I've maybe read on Facebook or news I've had, and it's had the ability to potentially take me off course if I'm not protective of and, my psychology. And damn, have I run enthusiastically in that direction before? Quote Keith Cunningham. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this one up. Awesome. If you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that's actually uh, a bit deeper and and it's quite a different topic to what a lot of uh, property investment podcasts talk about. 
um, and that you're starting to identify this with yourself. This is exactly what we're here for. So head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and we will notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes. Just want to say thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Property and Investing.